Uh, hey, we are in the third week of a series that we're calling Vintage Christmas, where we're looking at some of the vintage uh, Christmas programs and and looking at what they taught and uh, and maybe pulling out maybe what God wants us to uh, know or pay attention to as we go through this this Christmas season. Uh, before I jump into that, I just uh, wanted to mention there's. I'm always proud of being part of this this uh, community, and it's always uh, really exciting uh, to me, like just the different uh, things that that uh, individuals and collectively what we're doing as a church and reaching out and being the tangible hand of Christ. But I got to tell you, today is one of those days where, you know, I just like want to go, wow. I mean, it's just incredible. Just... Uh, because because of you guys, um, there's 63 families. I mean, th- this is huge. There's 63 families in Tallahassee, in our city, that on Christmas Day, that they are going to have, be able to experience uh, a Christmas dinner, and their kids who were not going to have anything to open are are going to have, I think there's like three, I mean, that's not all going to one family, obviously. Uh, but I, if you walk over there and see all, all the presents, and if you saw all like the, the turkeys and, and everything that this, this morning, and it's just knowing that, that us being the tangible hand of Christ in, in a real way, just saying, you know what, you know, God has given us so much, and we are such a blessed people that that it's it's unacceptable for us to know that there's 63 people that throughout the year that we're in relationship with that knowing that they wouldn't have the resources to to go out and and have a Christmas dinner what we would normally associate as as a Christmas dinner and their kids wouldn't have kind of new clothes or 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 toys that that they want and it's one of those. It's like a small thing, but it but it's a huge thing, and and it's just it's it's overwhelming to know that because of our community and because we realize that that we are so blessed that 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 we want to be the conduit of love and hope to a, a lost world that that tangibly we sacrificed and I I I know I mean I know that it's a sacrifice to buy a turkey or to buy a bike. For someone that you may not even know or, or never meet, I mean that that's a real sacrifice, and that we as a community collectively uh, were willing to do that in a huge way. Like I mean, just walking over there and like seeing all the presents over there, and just seeing all the all the sides and everything, uh, and all the people who are going to be delivering and all that. It's just absolutely amazing. And as the pastor of of this church, it just. Um, it just makes me so excited about being part of this church. So um, just thank you uh, so much, and I'm just just excited about being part of this church. So um, going back to uh, Charlie Brown and actually what we're, we're talking about today, uh, just kind of continuing in this journey of like what is Christmas and, and why do we celebrate it and what does it look like and what truly is the vintage aspects of Christmas 
What are the things, the, the nuances that, that make us each year come back for more? That What are the pure parts of it that, that are enriching and, and, and priceless and all of these things? And, you know, Charlie Brown, for me, the Charlie Brown Christmas program, it's one of those things that uh, really, like, is part of my, my Christmas. And not only just I have the DVD, but for me, for some reason, watching it on TV, like with commercials and stuff, like it is, it, it's like one of these things like, yeah, I'm watching it with my family, but knowing other families are watching it at the same time that, that it brings even that, it kind of makes it an event and, and even more meaningful. And Charlie Brown Christmas is, is one of those things for me. And I was watching it this year. And it was kind of interesting looking at it, knowing that I was going to be talking about it, looking at it through maybe a little bit different lens. Now, if you remember, if you didn't see it this year, shame on you, and you should go rent the DVD, or I don't even know if they read it, but, but uh, Charlie Brown starts out, and he's, you know, Charlie Brown's an interesting character. Like, we all like Char- Charlie Brown, but I'm not really sure why. <laughs> I mean, he's, a, he's kind of a miserable guy. And he's always, you know, kind of downhearted and everything. But for something, there's something about his character that we're drawn to. And uh, I wrote down some quotes of him starting. Like, he, uh, he, he goes out and he talks uh, to his buddy Linus. And Linus is the well-adjusted, uh, emotionally-adjusted guy who carries the blanket with him everywhere. Uh, so he, he goes to Linus. He says, I know I should be happy during Christmas but I am not. I've been there. Right? You know, I've been there like, just like, you know, it's everybody's like walking around and they're buying presents and they smiles and going to parties and things like that. But, but you know what? And you, you feel this enormous pressure to be happy during this time. But the reality is a lot of people just aren't happy. In fact, December 26 is the, the highest suicide rate day in our country. I mean, it's just kind of like this, this letdown. For a lot of people, Christmas time is really a time of misery. And it was for Charlie Brown, too. He continues on talking to Linus. He says, I'm depressed. This is a kid's show, remember? I'm, I'm not happy. I'm depressed because I don't understand Christmas. I think that's the reality. A lot of, a lot of people, they, they, that when we lose focus and, and forget what Christmas is about, that, that we, we feel this consuming emptiness in, in our lives in it, and, and it drives us into isolation. And then the final one, and then he, he said this after he, he walks out to his mailbox and he opens up his mailbox in anticipation of Christmas cards. There's nothing in there. He looks in, he goes, hello, 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 hello. He says, I don't like Christmas because it emphasizes my loneliness. Yeah, I mean, it, it's true because for for us, you know, that this is a time of year that we, you know, we think we should be with our friends and our and our fram- families, and and there's, you know, this is a time where where 
you know what, it's kind of a tangible reminder of who's important to you in your, in your life. And if you don't, get any, you don't get any Christmas cards, it's like, oh my gosh. You know, it, it, it emphasizes your loneliness. If you aren't invited to any parties, that it emphasizes your, your loneliness. If you're away from your family or you're estranged from your family or if you are existing in broken relationship, it emphasizes your loneliness. And this is where Charlie Brown is, that, that he's unhappy, he's depressed, and, and his, his loneliness is, is, he's always lonely, but right now he's especially feeling lonely because no one is, is appreciating him and, and, it, and it's emphasizing that he truly is alone. That's a really awful place to be. So what he decides to do is to seek out from his, his peers, his, his, his social circle, you know, what, what is Christmas all about? Am I, am I missing it? Is this just like what I'm meant to be experiencing? I'm meant to be unhappy. I'm meant to be depressed. I'm meant to feel alone. Is this... Is this really just kind of how it goes? Because it doesn't seem right to me. You might say that Charlie Brown had a holy discontentment at, at, this, at this moment, saying, you know what, something is not right. So he did what, what a lot of us did. He, he went and he went to uh, a psychologist. And you're like, again, it's a kid's program, right? And he goes to a psychologist who happens to be Lucy. And, and Lucy, what Lucy does is she sets up this little booth that says, you know, psychiatrist or something like that, or psychologist uh, out there outside, and she has a little tin, and he goes and he sits on the stool in front of the counter there, and then she, she walks over, and he starts to share with her, and she's like, mm, and points to the little, little can, she's like, five cents, please pay for services before talk and he's like oh my gosh so you know, he reaches his pants and and uh, he pulls out a nickel and drops it in. it's like clank and then she goes into this like whole like monologue you know you know there's this this whole rant and shaking the the nickel and how she loves the sound of cold hard cash and everything and charlie brown is just sitting there like really just I'm already depressed. I'm already lonely. And, 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 and you know what? I'm so desperate that I'm willing to pay you this nickel so we can, we can talk. But can, can you not make it so obvious that, it, that it's about this? And it's just, it's accentuating his, his, his despair at this, at this moment. And finally, she puts it down and she, she's like, well, what's your problem? And, and he starts to talk and without even really listening, she comes up with a solution. Don't you love it when people give you a solution before they even hear your problem? So she, he, she gives them a solution. You know what your problem is, Charlie Brown? You know what you need to do? You need, you need involvement. You need to be part of a program. And fortunately for Charlie Brown, she had just the project that, that he needed to be involved with. And, and if you get involved in this project, then you will feel fulfillment. You won't feel lonely. You won't feel depressed. You won't be unhappy anymore. So she signs him up to be the director of the play. And he throws his life into it. You can tell in the, in the video when he comes up to be the director that, that he gives this beautiful speech. 
and is well-researched, and it was inspiring, and, and all of these kinds of things. But it really didn't go anywhere. He continues on, and he's walking around, still going to do this, this director thing, but still seeking out, seeking out fulfillment, seeking out the meaning of Christmas. And he's walking along, and he encounters Snoopy, his dog. And he's like, oh, okay, you know, and he connects with Snoopy, and Snoopy, Snoopy doesn't talk, right? It's a cartoon, but he still doesn't talk. Uh, and he hands him, the, hands him a sheet about, about winning the, you know, the, the homeowners, associate, homeowners Association decorating contest kind of thing. And he's like, oh, you know, is that what it's about? Is this... Is it, you know, even my dog is just, you know, it's all about winning a prize or something like that. Is that what it's about? And he continues on and he comes across his little sister, Lucy. Sally. Thank you. Not as bad as Dan Dernberger thinking it's morning, right? (laughs) Comes across Sally and he's like, Sally. And And she's like, hey, big brother, will you help me write a letter to Santa. And he's like, sure. And he starts going in. She starts going in about presents and, and all of these things. And, and really for her, the meaning of Christmas is what she can get. All the things that she can get. She, she has all of these things and she's looking for her fulfillment in what she can receive. You know, and I think that all of us, you know, we can get sidetracked by these different aspects of Christmas. And, and the interesting thing, there's nothing wrong with any of them. But we can get sidetracked by being involved in, in Christmas projects, thinking that that's going to bring uh, fulfillment or happiness. We can get involved with uh, you know, decorating contests or, or getting involved in all the decorating things like that. But that really isn't ultimately going to fulfill us. And also just receiving gifts. You know, it, we as, as people, as humans, you know, we're, we're consumers, right? And we like to get things. And I, I love to get gifts. I mean, everybody loves to get gifts, right? I mean, I, I, to me, gifts transcend actually what the thing is. Because a, a gift to me, I think the real meaning of, of a gift is when somebody gives you a gift that it, it took them to use mind time to think of that gift, which uh, I believe mind time is extremely valuable, that they had to sacrifice to either make the gift or, or to purchase the gift and wrap it and, and to give it to you. But so many times we, we, we lose sight of what the true meaning of that gift is and that, that you mean something to that person and that they were willing to sacrifice their mind time and their, their resources <laughs> excuse me, to, to give you this. And we focus on, like Sally was, just a, a list of, of things that she wanted. And I think if you think back, you know, a lot of times it's, it's, it, we, we so badly want different things, but, but things lose their luster. They, they really, really do. I remember being at a, uh, a party last year, and we were all sitting around, a bunch of couples, and some some 
genius decided it would be interesting to, to ask everybody, you know, what did your spouse give you last year? Like, who asks a question like that, especially when your spouse is like an earshot? Yeah, so I'm sitting there, and it's going around the room, and I, and I just, I couldn't remember. Uh, you know, I, I, and I, and I actually, I, I, I still, I'm, I'm sure it was great, and I'm sure it was, it was wonderful, but, but um, I don't remember what, what it was. And, but the funny thing is, a lot of people couldn't remember. It's interesting, and it's probably something that I asked for, and, I, and it's probably something that I use. I mean, it might even be this sweater. I don't know. But, but the, the important thing is, is that, that we had that connection that, that you know, I, I think I would have remembered if she didn't give me anything, and I think that she would have remembered uh, on the other side. It was just the act, the very act of giving. You know, technology is a funny thing. There's one gift, and it's so weird, in my growing up that I wanted so bad. Like there was one thing when, when I was a kid, it was in the 80s. Yep, back in the 20th uh, century. Uh, uh, there was this thing that came out. It was uh, made by Casio. You know Casio? Yeah, Casio. I, I don't know if they make anything anymore, but, but Casio came out with this really cool uh, portable keyboard. Battery operated is about that big, about that wide. And uh, what you could do with this keyboard is you could record sounds and then you could play things in, that key, in the key with the key, you know, it would change the key to that. And for some reason, somewhere along my life, I heard that, that song that they played during Christmas of the dogs barking jingle bells. You know that? Roof, 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 roof. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, for some reason, I wanted to do that so badly. I wanted to make my own dog, Jingle Bells, album, song, whatever, to, to play. So I wanted this Casio thing so badly. And, and I got it. And I remember unwrapping it and being all like excited about it. And, and I, I went to my dog, Argos, at the time. And, and I was trying to get my dog, Argos, to bark into the machine. And I don't think he actually ever barked in the machine. I think I, I, I ended up, you know, lip syncing it for him and just doing it, woof, you know. And, and then, and then I, and then I went downstairs and I played, you know, jingle bells for everybody with the dogs, woof, 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 woof. Everybody's like, oh, that's that's nice and and all that kind of stuff. And I, to be honest with you, I don't remember ever using it again. I just I, like after I did it. Yeah, I might have plunked around on everything, but but it just it, it didn't become like the, the the staple of my life. But what I do remember is that my parents listened to me and they loved me enough to want to give something to me that I did like, and that was the important thing. But the 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 hard thing is is when we focus on individual stuff. Stuff does not last. Stuff is cool iPods are cool. iPods are the next Casio thing. You think the iPod with your, you know, 10 billion gigabyte hard drive is going to be enough, you know, next year? No, of course not. It's just one of those things that it is, it's cool now. I'm sure everyone would be happy to receive one. But what's more important is 
the act of giving. And here, Charlie Brown is, is listening to this and, you know, completely confused by, by what's going on. You know, Lucy is telling him just involvement. Snoopy's all in, you know, doing the, doing the decoration. Sally is all about wanting to get these gifts. And, and he just, he's being pulled in all of these different directions. And he comes about, you know, he's still going on and on and on about it. And he finally comes up with, uh, to Lucy again. And she sees his struggle. And now, not in the capacity of his psychiatrist or psychologist, but just as a peer, she tells him this. Charlie Brown, everyone knows that Christmas is a racket run by a big Eastern conglomerate. Completely jaded, right? I mean, she's just kind of like, she's kind of just totally removed herself from the situation. The way that she's dealing with it is, you know what, it's all commercialized. You know what, Christmas is a pagan holiday that, that Christians just stole. You know, forget about it, who cares? You know, all these kind of things. It's just all about, you know, some nameless, faceless, you know, Eastern conglomerate that is just trying to squeeze every dollar out of us that they possibly can so they can be in the black on Friday. We can get our doorbuster deals. And, you know, unfortunately, that, that attitude, it just, it, re, it, it puts you in a place of just, you miss everything that's special and vintage and rich about Christmas. So watch this as Charlie Brown continues on his journey. See, Charlie Brown decided that he was going to seek out redemption from his peers by, by getting a tree, by getting a, a tree that their Christmas play was going to need, that he was, he was going to find fulfillment in, in, in Christmas by recognition, recognition, and recognition from his peers and to finally be accepted. But instead, everything was turned on him and he was ostracized all the more. The interesting thing to me about Charlie Brown's seek, seeking out the true meaning of Christmas is that, is that scene, that, that him seeking out the Christmas tree and walking in with the Christmas tree and, and setting it down there. And he's seeking out the true meaning of Christmas, and it's right in his hands, at least a, a clue, a symbol of what the true meaning of Christmas to really have fulfillment, not only in this season, but in, 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 in all of his life. You see, the, the Christmas tree is a powerful symbol of our faith, which has been lost to many of us. You see, in the seventh century, there was a monk from Devonshire, and he, he uh, decided that he was going to become a missionary up into uh, northern Europe. Now, I, never, I don't know if you've ever been to northern Europe in, in December time, but it's cold, there's a lot of snow, and everything is dead except one thing, the evergreen. 
And he is there and he, and he was trying to tell people about God and tell people about the love of Christ and it just they weren't getting it. And suddenly he realized that, that God had provided a symbol to him, something that was in part of their culture, part of their environment. While everything else had died away, there was this evergreen tree standing there. And you think about it, what, if you just flatten a Christmas tree or you're like cutting one out of cardboard, what shape is it? It's a triangle. And so what he told him was, he said, you know what? God is, is like that, that, that evergreen tree. At the top, you have God the Father. And then you have on one corner, you have his son, Jesus Christ, and you have the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit on, on the other corner. And you have this triune God. And you know what? You look around and, and you, see, you see death all around you. But the green, the evergreen, symbolizes the eternal life that Jesus represents for you. And they got it. And from then on in, in Northern Europe, the, the Christmas tree symbolized God and the eternal life that, that Jesus offers us. In the 15th century, a guy named Martin Luther came along and he put candles on the Christmas tree. Not too smart from fire safety measure, but, but as far as illustration, he put the lights on on the Christmas tree and he took it one step farther and he said, you know what, you have God, you have the everlasting life, and, and we light up the tree because Christ is the light of the world, and each one of us with Christ in our hearts, each individual light represents our light peering out into the darkness and, and, and all, of, all of the death. In the 16th century, people started putting red ribbons on, on the tree. They put red ribbons on the tree and they use the color red to symbolize the, the blood of Jesus Christ. The, the sacrifice that, that he paid for each and every one of us. And then somebody started putting white on the Christmas tree to symbolize the, the, the innocence, the purity of Jesus and his sacrifice that he came and he died for for all of us so what we can have eternal life with our Lord and Father. And there we have the, the green and the red and the white all around us. We have Christmas trees all around us. Charlie Brown is holding this powerful symbol of, of truth and love in his hands. And, and you know, it kind of reminds me of, of Moses, you know, walking along and, and a bush is burning. And he could have walked by that bush, but he saw that was something was unusual and it caught his attention. And I wonder how many times we're just walking through life and God is burning the bushes all around us. I mean, we have these pillars with the red, white, and green. We have Christmas trees all around us. Every bush is burning. He's crying out saying, I am here pointing us to him. And we just miss it. 
And Charlie Brown is sitting there and he's missing it. You know, the great thing about, about God is he, he's a God of second chances. And even though he gives us symbols and he gives us signs all around us and every bush is burning and he realizes that sometimes we get so busy that we miss it, that he actually brings people into our lives. And sometimes he speaks through people into our lives. And that was the case for Charlie Brown in this clip. And that's what Christmas is all about, my church family. That God didn't wait for us to figure out a way to get to him. But that he loved us so much that he broke relationship, he broke the Trinity for a time to to come and walk among us. To to walk a perfect life as symbolized in the white, to, to, to die and spill his blood so we can experience the green of an everlasting life. You guys pray with me. Dear God, I just uh, pray as we're in the last few days of this Christmas season that we don't get bogged down by just trying to be uh, busy in projects and things like that, even though being involved in projects can be fun and fulfilling, but just keep the right perspective, that we don't get bogged down or sidetracked by, by decorating contests or other contests, even though we know in our freedom that, that that's something that we can do and have a great time with and build relationships through and you can honor that, and that's wonderful. And that we don't get bogged down with just focusing on stuff, but that we see what being given a gift truly is. God, let us remember that we are celebrating a a point in history where you came and walked amongst us, that to give us the opportunity to have a right relationship with you. We love you.